Hey friends, welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I'm so grateful and honored that you've chosen to tune in today. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. Thank you to those of you who've left reviews for this show. I love this Apple podcast review from Amy Ramsey. She's the founder of thefitsoul.com. Amy says, with so many podcast options available, this one will not disappoint. As a Christian woman, mother, wife, and an online business owner, I appreciate the topics that help me grow in each area of my life. Rachel dives deep into the topics right away, wasting no time. I always feel encouraged and sometimes challenged, but challenged in a good way. I encourage my clients to listen to her. I highly recommend this podcast. Thank you, Amy, again for that review. And hey, guys, if you have a moment to leave a review for the show, I would greatly appreciate it. And if you own a business like Amy, be sure to leave your name so I can send some love and business your way. Well, I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest, who is a powerhouse of a woman. Dr. Sasha Shilcott is the author of Between Grit and Grace, renowned cardiac anesthesiologist, TEDx speaker, and founder of Brave Enough, where she leads and encourages more than 10,000 female physicians. You are going to love Dr. Sasha, so let's jump right into that conversation. Well, hello, Sasha, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Yeah, so I am in my comforts of my own home. Can you tell us where you're sitting today? I'm actually in my office at the hospital on a little break. It's my office day, and I'm just working on some different manuscripts and different communication with our anesthesia team, and I'm also updating some uh, protocols and some pathways and things like that. Yeah, so we are in the midst of the whole lockdown due to COVID-19. And I just, you know, even before we started the show today, I prayed over you and your team. And we just thank you guys for everything that all the healthcare professionals are currently doing during this time to keep keep our systems afloat. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks for asking me to come on the show. Yeah. So a fun thing that I do with my guests on the show is I read your professional bio in the beginning and then I ask, is there anything random about you that we would not read on your professional bio? (laughs) Well, one fact is I work as a Senate intern in college. I spent about six months in Washington, D.C. interning for a senator from Missouri. And I laugh when I think about that, when I tell people that, because they just look at me and they're like, you were like considering politics at one point, because if you follow me on social media, I tend to stay away from those topics. And I really only talk about that with my close family and friends over, you know, coffee and things. So it's just funny when people are like, you actually worked in the Senate and you thought about a stint in politics at some point in your life. I'm like, yes, so much so that I actually went and spent a semester there. But It was a very interesting time and I got to, it was an election year and I got to see a lot of things behind the scenes. So people always laugh though when they, when I tell them that. Oh, wow. So what made you pivot then? You know, it was kind of one of the things that I thought, okay, I I just need, I'm such a doer and I'm such a person that takes action and not that, you know, politics is very, can be very fast paced, but I knew that I was 
called into medicine. I actually was there during the healthcare bill of 96, 97. And I, I spent a ton of time on policy and healthcare and, and reading and studying and being part of that. And that really drew me to know that I have to use my hands. I have to be like a doer and I need to be in the, in the thick of it in the hospital. And so that really kind of cemented my career choice to become a physician. Oh, that's awesome. And how long have you been practicing as a physician? I've been practicing anesthesiology for about 15 years now. Wow. That's so fun. I love that. Okay. So you, you wear a lot of hats. You are, you're also a professor, right? (laughs) I am. I'm a professor of anesthesiology. Yes. Wow. Okay. And you're a wife and a mom and a business owner. Can you tell us a little about like what you, so you recently wrote a book that's called Between Grit and Grace. What led you to write this book and how did all those hats that you wear kind of play into that? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. So I, found myself about five or six years ago in a very dark place, uh, personally and professionally. I looked, I think, pretty good on paper. I was having a lot of professional success, but inside and in my personal life, I felt that I was really burned out and very isolated. And I would wake up in the morning and just sit in the hospital garage and cry for about 10 minutes and try to tell myself how I was going to get through the day. Because while I was, you know, trying, working so hard to be a doctor and a a good academic doctor, successful, and also be a really successful mom and wife, I felt like I was failing at everything. And I, I took about a year to really kind of rebuild myself out of this and climb out of this very low place. And through that year, at the end of that year, I felt a lot healthier. I had learned to set healthy boundaries. I learned who I was authentically as Sasha and how I really had not been living authentically as who I was in my workplace because I was basically trying to emulate men in the workplace because that's who I primarily worked with. And I, but at the end of the year, I felt a ton better, although I recognized I was still really lonely. So even though I I had better work-life um, integration and I was connecting better with my family and I was being um, closer to God and all of these things, I still was really, really lonely because in the busiest time of my life, having children, raising kids, having a career, I saw friendships with other women and connection with other women as like a selfish thing. Mm. It's not like a lifeline. I thought, well, that's just not something I get to have at this stage of my life. And so I was really lonely. And I reached out to about nine women, I decided to and asked them to be part of a text group where we would just encourage each other. And really, what I was doing was I was asking women if they wanted to be my friend. (laughs) It was like being on the playground as an adult, you know. So I I started what began as a very small group of like 10 of us grew to about 11,000 women doctors online. And that's how I then built my company brave enough to expand outside of just women in medicine, but women at all aspects of life. Because I think that most of us as women are in the middle of our life, find ourselves having similar struggles, no matter what our background is. And often feeling extremely isolated and alone in those struggles. So that's what really drew me to build a company to encourage community of women and to allow women to live and lead authentically as women. (laughs) 
And then that's what made me made me write the book Between Grit and Grace that I'm launching now. Okay, awesome. I love so much of this. I'm curious. So the book Between Grit and Grace, what is what does the word grit mean to you? You know, I think that we tend to put women in groups of silos, like, oh, this is a really gritty woman, you know, she's like authoritative, assertive, a powerhouse, a leader, she takes charge. And maybe she's someone that we look up to and we admire, but we don't really want to invite her for coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she, we're not she's she may not be the woman that we like want to sit down and feel or go up to on the soccer field and introduce ourselves to. So we tend to put women like as these gritty women. And then we also have this other group of women that we see as maybe more grace giving. And, you know, we, we love to invite them out. We like to sit with them on the sidelines and talk to them. And maybe we feel more comfortable around them, but we're not really sure if they could lead or take charge of situations. And I think what that does is it puts us at, it puts us against one another. And it oftentimes puts women in silos of like, well, this is a gritty woman. This is a grace giving woman. But the truth is that I bet there's times where all of us, every woman in our life that we know has to be gritty, right? Like we have to come out of the dugout, so to speak. And I write about this in the book where we have to stand up for either ourselves or something that we know is right or our children or our neighbor or our community or or something that we're passionate about. And that requires grit. And we know that women that express those attributes in the community or in their workplaces often face backlash, not just from men, but backlash from other women. And so the book is about embracing both of those attributes and that most of the time in different seasons of our life, we either have to be a little more gritty or a little more grace giving, but we can have both of those attributes and we can embrace both of those as women. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, because you do see that swinging from side to side and feeling like you're kind of one or the other. But I love that, that perspective that you give on it. So a little bit ago, you mentioned that you found yourself in a place in your seat in work and in your life where you weren't really feeling like you're, you didn't say, I think you said this, you come to, came to the realization at the time, you didn't realize you weren't being your authentic self. But what does that mean to you? And what does that look like to you to be your authentic self? Because I feel, I think women everywhere are trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really true. And I, I, so we know that, you know, for me, it was, I would come to work and I would feel like, you know, I couldn't talk about my kids because, or something that they had just achieved, because if I did, then everybody in the room would think I wasn't a serious doctor, Mm. or I couldn't dress a certain way and dress feminine. And me personally, I like to dress very feminine, because I would feel like that would be seen as someone who wasn't a serious researcher, or wasn't a serious scientist. Or if I would feel on the other side of that, if I would feel like maybe crying with a patient that has just experienced a loss would try not never to cry because I learned like if you cry, then you have no respect as a woman. But on the flip side, I would also find myself in meetings, often the only woman. And if I would speak up or speak in authority because I had knowledge and authority on a subject, then it was like, oh, she's, she's being really blunt or she's being assertive. And so no matter how I was, I, I, found myself like narrowing this margin of who I felt I could be, which left me to feel very inauthentic and not like I could be myself. And I did that because I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be liked and I wanted to advance. But at the end of the day, 
that's not, I realized that that wasn't me. That wasn't success for me. Like success is showing up every day as who I am, as who God made me to be, uh, which is a little bit of grit and a little bit of grace almost every day. I need both. Yeah. I love that. I resonate with that so much because, you know, I don't have the high level of career that you do, but I have experienced those exact same feelings of walking into a room and literally having thoughts of it's easier to, and this used to be me, I've since busted out of this, which is why I'm doing this podcast, but it it used to be that I had this (laughs) thought of it's easier to say nothing and get like no attention, like nobody look at me, then what if I do say something and it offends or I, you know, as a believer, I, you know, I still, I still have this, I don't want to call it a fear, but a um, concern of misquoting the Bible or, you know, all these things that you're like, oh my gosh, what if, what if I make a mistake basically? Yeah. So I, I, I totally get that. And you're, it's almost like you're walking on eggshells, which is quite frankly, exhausting to live your life that way. <laughs> it is. You're, and that's a, a lot of the time why we see women at the, hitting the so-called glass ceiling is because not because they're not capable or because they can't do it or they don't have the experience or the knowledge. It's because it's exhausting. <laughs> like It's exhausting to be that in that position where you're constantly having to ask yourself, am I speaking up too much? Am I not speaking up enough? Am I being too assertive? Am I being too soft? Like it's a constant, exhausting internal dialogue you have with yourself when you're trying to please everyone around you instead of just being authentically who God made you to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then you kind of come to a point where you go, you know what? I don't want that position that bad or I don't, you know, like, yeah, exactly. It's not worth that to me if I had to pretend to be someone else just to get it. So yeah, that's so good. You mentioned earlier how to you, and I think a lot of women can relate to this also that you felt like other friendships with women was like a luxury, not necessarily a lifeline, but more just something that that's great for other people, but I don't have that capacity. And so I feel like this kind of goes into the next question that I have for you about, can you tell us a little about the importance of spending time by yourself and even doing internal work? Yes. So I would say that the year that I kind of rebuilt myself and made myself so much healthier, spiritually, physically, emotionally, first thing I did was I committed to spending 30 minutes a day to myself. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but as a busy mom and working woman, you can imagine 30 minutes was crazy, like at first to try to find 30 minutes. And at first I didn't want to spend time with myself and do internal work because I was a mess and sitting with myself for 30 minutes, I was like, I would rather scroll Instagram or, you know, watch something on Netflix or like text somebody because the thought of being alone with myself was terrifying, to be honest. But that became a source, my, my, my literal source of strength every day. Sometimes I would get up and read scripture. Sometimes I would just sit at my table, coffee table in the morning and just cry <laughs> for where my life was and where I thought it should be. Or the fact that I had lost so many friendships over the years, not because of a, a certain you know negative thing that happened, but just losing touch with my friends and losing touch with who I was. And that 30 minutes a day became what I call now my hour of power where I have, I have to withdraw. And I'm an extrovert. Like I love people. Like I go into a room and I'm like, Oh, all these people are going to be my friend in the next like five minutes. So it's saying a lot that me as an extrovert really demanded and required this daily time with myself. And now I can't imagine not having that because I know it keeps me grounded, especially now in the midst of a pandemic if I don't have those 30 minutes alone to kind of reset and refocus my mind and think about 
where's my anxiety today? Where's my, where are my thoughts today? Who have I prayed for? Who have I not prayed for? Who am I concerned about? Those became, that became like a source. And honestly, that's where I realized how lonely I was for other friendships with women. And that time period every day was what allowed me to go, okay, it's not a luxury. I do need other women in my life. I need friendships. At the busiest time in my life, I should actually have friendships to help me through. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that at first you didn't want to do that just because you didn't want to be alone with yourself. And that is a very real thing, like a a major thing that many of us would rather, like you said, just numb out by scrolling Facebook or watching Netflix or whatever than to actually evaluate how our heart is doing. Um, And it's just so powerful. So a little bit ago, we talked about the difference between grit and grace. Can you tell me why? And I think you said or I've read somewhere that you see that women often have a hard time um, extending themselves grace and other women and people grace. Why do you think that that is? You know, I think that the first, I think it's hardest to give it ourself grace and to recognize that it's okay to fail. It's okay to mess up. I mean, I'm never going to go, I'm not going to go the rest of my life and not quote something wrong or misspeak in a meeting, but it doesn't mean that I shouldn't speak up and give my ideas, or I'm never going to go the rest of my life and not share a bad idea. I'm going to share bad ideas. So I have to accept that grace about myself. I think we're oftentimes we are hard on other women because we are coming from a place of fear. So Mm -hmm. let me give you an example. For a lot of times I would be in a meeting with another woman and she would start to speak up or her voice would start cracking because maybe she's getting really passionate about something. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's, she's going to lose it. She's going to, she just needs to be quiet, you know? And I would be stressing for her because I was coming from a place of fear. Like, we have to be perfect as women. We're the only two women around the table. We have to really talk smart. We can't talk too much. We can't not talk enough. And the truth is that that just adds to this whole perception of competitiveness amongst women that women can't, aren't allowed to make a mistake. We should be able to make a mistake. You know, our male colleagues have no problem making mistakes and we should embrace that in our own lives as well. So sometimes I think we come at it from a place of fear where we're actually trying to protect that other woman, but we're a little more critical or hard on her. I have found myself doing that for a number of years with the residents I trained. I would find myself being really hard on the women because I wanted them to be be like perfect because I wanted them to succeed. And I had to recognize that that was an internal bias I was having, that I was much more lenient with the men because I didn't. I I knew that they were probably going to have a leg up compared to the women. And so I recognized, like, I got to stop being so hard on the women. I got to allow them to feel the space to make mistakes similar to my male trainees. So I think that a lot of it can come from a good place. It doesn't always come from that competitive place. It can, obviously. But most of the time, I think we're hard on each other because we actually care (laughs) about women and we care about being, we think we have to be perfect as women because we know that women are criticized more harshly for their actions in the the workplace than men are. I mean, that's been proven over and over and over in, in workplace evaluations. So it's a, it's a, it's a tender thing to discuss, but I talk about it in the book because I think it's really important to put it out there. Mm -hmm. You just hit a nail on the head about how much pressure women feel to be perfect. And that to me, that's not just a workplace issue. That's just, I see that everywhere. And I'm kind of curious, where does that come from? I mean, yeah, it's night and day difference, even just in things like appearance and 
how you keep up your home and, you know, all the things in workplace. And where does that, where does that perfection come from? Well, I think it is intensified definitely by social media. You know, it's not like we are scrolling messy homes and cluttery closets. I mean, what do we post? We post like, oh, I just reorganized this, or I just bought this beautiful new thing, or I just redid this, or I just, I look amazing. I'm going to post a picture. So we post perfection and we project perfection Mm. because it's safe. And I think that it is definitely something that I have to check even in myself. I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I gave this great talk today and I met all these wonderful people. I'm going to post a picture, but then I'm like, oh, I look really bad. The angle's bad. I don't want to post a picture. Even though, so the, the, the perception of perfection stops marrying something. Mm. And I think that, I think that is how we are in our workplaces, in our homes, even in our friendships. You know, we often think we have to be perfect with our friends or we think I really want to get to know this woman. I think she's really interesting. I'd love to have coffee with her, but I'm not perfect. She's going to find out my marriage isn't perfect or my kids aren't perfect or I'm not perfect. So I don't want to meet her, you know, or I don't want to make a connection. So I think we, we are often, we project perfection in them, but it also paralyzes us at the same time. Yeah. I love that you said we, I actually wrote this down. We post and project perfection because it's safe. That's so good. That's so good. And I, I think also, you know, in our relationships, especially with other women, we start to, and you, you can correct me if you think that I'm wrong on this, but we start to break down walls whenever, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I've had conversations with women where they do let their wall down to me and they'll share something that's not perfect. And I'm like, okay, I love you anyways. You know, like it, when it doesn't phase us, then the, I've literally had women be like, so you're, we're still friends. Like you still like me. I'm like, yeah, it's like, I have problems too. You know, like I, I, I don't expect perfection and it totally takes them off guard. And I think the more that we do that to each other, we allow each other to, to show those imperfections and, and love each other anyway. Cause isn't that how God loves us? Right. I mean, right. <laughs> that, I know that's how God so loves true. us. So. <laughs> and I think it makes you try people more. Like I think about the friends that share difficult things with me. And I always think the fact that they trusted me with this makes me trust them more. Mm -hmm. Like I'm more trustworthy. I'm a little skeptical of people who never share anything that is real or negative at times, because it's not that we should, you know, focus on the negative and perseverate on it. But if we don't share those things, first of all, how do we heal? Like we can't heal if we keep secrets. And the second thing is it, I think it endears people to me, at least when I know that they're sharing something difficult or sharing a struggle or sharing something a way they're not perfect. It makes me feel like I can trust them with my own imperfections. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. I have a a very hard time trusting somebody who I've never seen them show anything but perfection because we all have imperfect you know I'm like so what are you hiding what's what's your big secret and maybe nothing big at all you know but then it makes you think huh what's really happening over there right yeah okay so I I loved this question that I saw and I would love to hear how you answer it can women have it all I think that's the age-old question oh gosh I know (laughs) isn't it don't you feel like that's the question that we're always asking one another and just asking people that seem to have it all (laughs) yeah I, I don't know. I think we have to ask ourselves what all is because I tend to see my life as I'm driving a car and I, I'm going to be driving the same car for eternity until I leave this earth. And that car has 
it's a four seater and there's only room for three other people or three other priorities or whatever you want to name them. And if I let one priority in at a season and that's somebody else has to get out of the car because it's just not going to fit. So there's times like I'm writing a book for the last year and I didn't get to the gym every day. Like I did the year before. I did because I was writing a book. So, but I wrote a book and that was an important thing for me. So did, did I have all, can I have all, I don't think that's really possible for me. There's times where I know that my children are going through something and I have to really focus in on my kids for a season. Maybe one of them struggling with something and I just can't be at any work evening situations. I can't be present in work dinners. I'm not going to meet people. I'm not going to network. I may be not traveling during that season because one of my kids really needs something or has an activity or something that I need to be present for more than average. And again, it's like, I think of myself driving a car and whoever I let out, whenever I let somebody in, I got to let somebody out. It's just not physically possible for me to be killing every single area of my life at all times. And this whole like hustle, 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 you know, achieve, achieve, achieve. It's so addicting. And it's something that you feel like when you're trying to achieve, you feel like you're failing. Mm. Like here you are, like it would be very easy for me to look back at last year and go, man, I wrote a book, but oh, I failed because I gained 10 pounds. Do Mm. you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's no way that I could have written a book and did my food prep that I normally did and worked out for an hour a day and showed up for all my patients and did a book tour. Like there's just, I couldn't do it. So I think we have to give ourselves grace and ask ourselves like who's in the car in this season and who needs to get out of the car and then let somebody else back in the car that, that we're driving in life. All right. Well, I don't know about everybody else listening, but I just got some freedom myself. So thank you. Um, <laughs> you, said, you said two things that really just resonated with me and I'm going to be chewing on the rest of the day. The first is that we need to ask yourself what all is because that's different for everybody and different for every season. Um, and then also I love when you said, when I let someone in, I have to let someone out. And when you said that, I literally had a, an, a just envisioned in my head, a clown car, you know, and all these people piled in and you're trying, like, you're like, why am I going nowhere? I can't get anywhere. And it's like, well, you can't even reach the pedal because there's so many things and people stuffed into your car. It's no wonder you're feeling frustrated and maybe a little claustrophobic because, you know, there's way too many things on your plate at, at this, at this moment. So I really, really love that. Where you just set me free, though, the most in these illustrations is, so I'm in grad school right now to be a marriage and family therapist, and that's me. I've put on some weight because I used to train for marathons, and I'm like, I don't I don't have time to train for marathons and go to school, you know, full time and raise a family and Absolutely. run a business. I'm like, I, something has to go. And I still exercise, but it's nothing like training for a marathon. And so I have literally been feeling, you know, just... I don't know what the word is, I guess a little bit like you mentioned, just like, man, failed, like, man, I'm failing in this area. Why am I failing in this area? You know, and it's like, well, because something else is at the at the center of my life right now. And, and that will come back one day. You know, I'm only got a, another year of school left. So anyway, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, good job for following your passion and your heart. And that is hard work. 
And you should be so proud of yourself that you're doing that at this stage of your life when a lot of people would just be like, I can't do that if it's too much. And so give yourself grace, girl. You look beautiful, by the way. I'm staring at you on Skype and you look amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and I, you know, my, my trick is, is if you put some hot pink lipstick on, then it's like everybody, it, it just, every, every, everything just else just comes alive. You know, it doesn't matter that I haven't washed my hair in a few days and, you know, all the things. So I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> Thank you. So anyway, no, but I just wanted to share that live also just so people can hear that, you know, even me, like I, I go through these seasons. Um, I try very hard. I do think it's a balance, especially in the online space, because sometimes people can see all the pretty pictures online and, you know, even me having this podcast and different things. And I never want people to get the perception that, wow, you're just perfect over there. Like everything's going great for you. And I'm like, I don't want to be negative or harp on anything negative, but I also just like to be real, you know, and, and say, Hey, not, this is not perfection. This is just a work in progress. So yeah. Okay. So we're about to hop off here. And before we do though, I do want you to tell us just a little bit more about your organization called Brave Enough right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So it's a, it's a platform. It's, you can find it on the website, become brave enough.com. And I have a lot of great resources there. I write a lot and there's a lot of articles on anything from how to navigate negotiation in the workplace or how to navigate bias or how to navigate being a mom and and having a career or starting a business. And there's tons of information, podcasts. My book is there. You can join one of my online communities. I have conference once a year and retreats and courses. And so I really encourage women if they just need some encouragement to pop on over to becomebraveenough.com. Okay, awesome. And are you also on social media at that handle? At Become Brave Enough is my Insta handle and my Facebook page as well as Brave Enough. So hang on, you know, head, head on over there and just check it out and say hi. I love to connect with other women that are in different industries and different communities and uh, encourage you. Awesome. And then your book, it's available there. Is it available anywhere else? It's available at Target, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. It's called Between Grit and Grace. Okay, perfect. And we'll have links to all this in the show notes. I just like to have them listen to you say it out loud. And then uh, before we hop off, is there any other word of encouragement you'd like to give to the women who'd be listening today? You know, I just think we have so much to give as women. And we have so many ideas and innovation that oftentimes we don't share outside of our own head or our own home. And I just want to encourage women to find their voice and be brave enough to share it. Mm. Find your voice and be brave enough to share it. I love that. Writing it down. Okay. (laughs) Well, uh, Dr. Sasha, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here. I'm excited to release this episode and just pray blessings over you and all that you're doing. Thank you so much. Didn't you love Dr. Sasha? Her bold authenticity encouraged me to keep stepping forward in my God-given dreams. And I hope you all feel the same way too. She has two copies of her book to give away, and you might know by now that one of my favorite things to do is to email subscribers with the headline, You Won. To be on that VIP list, simply text the phrase, Real Talk Giveaway, that's all one word, to the number 44222. I randomly select some winners for the guest books, and just by being on that list, you are entered to win. Don't forget to head to lovedandblessed.com to grab a gift for a special someone in your life. That pink box of encouragement might be exactly what they need to brighten their day and keep moving forward. 
All right, friends, that's all for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.